In episode 1.2 of Unshuffled, we bunker down to ride out the apocalypse and discuss the second Atomic Bitchwax album, Atomic Bitchwax 2. But first, to bring us in, is our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Hello, Scotty D. Matt, welcome back. Unshuffled. Welcome back to Unshuffled. Now, little did we realise when we started this project that um, it would very quickly turn into a document of two men listening to 20-year-old stoner rock albums while the world outside and the world around them turned into a sort of uh, apocalyptic hellhole. But there you are. That's what it's become. I think, I do think with this table, I think we're, I think we're at the right social distance. <laughs> oh, no, so I'm I, not I, sure. I do think we're doing our due diligence. I'm just hiding behind my pop filter. <laughs> just keep sneezing to a minimum and I think we're okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's realistically and, and seriously, it is a scary time around the world. Um, and at times like this, I mean, what better solace and I'm not talking about the band solace, of course, mm. but what better solace than, than music? Um, and, you know, it's often at the most difficult times in your life, in, or in my life, that music takes on a, a more important role than ever, and I think this is one of those times. So I can always pinpoint, like, when I go through and listen to bands or albums or CDs, and I can usually, there's, it, it locks in a moment. Yeah. That gets triggered. Yeah. <laughs> for, for atomic bitchwax yep. sake, I hope they don't become my corona, <laughs> my corona band. Yeah, it's, it's becoming that way a little bit, but um, at the same time, I'll, I'll be thankful for them, you know, for helping me get through this difficult time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They've been, I'm glad we chose something cheerful anyway. Right. <laughs> We we should. It's probably worth noting that the the next the next episode we might end up having to try something different as we are going to be scattered to far flung reaches yeah. of, of of the globe. Packing up our families and heading for the hills. And heading for the hills, but but this one we're here. Yeah, we're doing it. Getting out of dodge—that's an American saying. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing. All right. Um, Run to the hills. That's an Iron Iron Maiden. Yeah. Song. Um, but look, we'll work that out. Um, the important thing is that we'll we will continue. Um, so don't fear, listener. You'll uh, you'll keep hearing our voice, even if it's from the other side of the world. Hmm. Uh, one of us will get the pleasure of recording it in the morning, and perhaps the other one in the middle of the night or something. We'll work it out. Yeah. We'll some, someone's getting screwed on this. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it's unshuffled. Um, we're working through uh, album by album, song by song. Our band is Atomic Bitchwax. We're up to the second album, uh, Atomic Bitchwax 2. Um, 
So you're going to hear all about it in this episode. You'll hear our thoughts track by track. You'll hear the band Brownlow. Um, And you'll get various musings on the album overall. A few predictions about the next album. Uh, And, you know, some other banter along the way. Uh, Listener feedback. Um, We have no new messages. Uh, As I said, though, you can contact us through our various channels. uh, Gmail, through Twitter, UnshufflePod, everywhere. So please send us a message if you hold hold down wherever you are in the world and uh, working your way through these albums with us. We'd love to hear from you. And follow us on Twitter. We're, uh, we found some entertaining songs to wash your hands to. Yeah. <laughs> One from this album. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Entombed works for me, too. Yeah. All right, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, so give us so, the um, album details. Release date. This album was released on... Actually, I got the full date on this. October 31st of 2000. Mm. It was a little, I think because I believe the last one was released in the summer of 99, and this one's October of 2000, so a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, again, produced by Atomic Bitchwax with uh, Eric Rochelle, or Rachel, or whatever, however we've decided to say his last name. Mm-hmm. This one was recorded at two different studios, still at Tracks East, where the last one was recorded, but then also recorded at IOHO Studios in New York. Um, and then the lineup has not yet changed. Uh, we've got Chris Kosnick on bass vocals, and however, we've thrown in some organ. Yep, he's, he's doing the organ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Ed Mundell on guitars. We've got Keith Ackerman on drums, and we do have. We'll probably get to that, I'm sure. But special guest appearance of Warren Haynes. Yeah, yeah, which is a real highlight. Um, <clears throat> okay, um, so. What? What do you, what do you, firstly, talk to me about how you listened to the album, um, you know, what sort of experience you've had over the last couple of weeks, generally, um, as, you, as you've worked your way through it. So... I'm always interested in the method as well. Like, <laughs> well, so. I still don't have the physical, um, but some of these, I, I am actually going to the place where I'm going to be able to get my hands on yep. the, the physical yep. copies of these. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think I have... I don't have the third one. I have these first two waiting for me. Yep. But anyway, I, so I did. I listened to it again. It, it was digital. I listened to it through my multiple digital mm-hmm. devices. Yeah. Um, and the I, I think what my at least my first impressions were this one felt sort of more jammy and less spacey. I felt that there were a little bit of those elements. And, and, and I'll talk more about that as we kind of get through the songs. Mm. But that was the first thing that struck me. The other thing that struck me that I will probably get into more is that, and I don't know, I don't know if it's the, the, the means of how I acquired the, the, but it sounded more compressed. It just, it didn't, that's my, my big takeaway that I think the drums in the first album had this very sort of um i don't know it was it was almost like there was a depth yep. to the drums and here they felt flat and i don't know if it's the recording if it was the compression i'm not i'm not sure 
Yeah, I certainly agree. It didn't sort of slap you in the face like the first one um, on that first listen. Um, it, to me, the first one, and, and we discussed it, had a real live feel to it. So to mm -hmm. me, it's almost like this was their studio album. The second one was their studio album. The first one was their live album. Um, it, it is much more polished, much more refined production-wise, for better or worse. Um, I'm thinking maybe, I mean, the, like, Mandel had just come off recording one of the most immaculately produced albums I, I, I can ever think of, which was um, Power Trip. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if some of the sort of studio, um, you know, the, the techniques, you know, that, that came from recording that rubbed off on this album. Um, whether it was a conscious decision by the band or not, I'm not sure. But yes, yeah, certainly compressed, as you say. Maybe it's a, a product of the loudness wars that was sort of happening at the time. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but it does lack that raw, uh, live-ish kind of edge that the first one had in production, for sure. I am curious. They have the... And I've not, I, I have not listened to it. I, I have it within my grasp but i still haven't listened to box riff their live album yep and there are a couple songs from here that show up on there mm -hmm. and i am some of these songs i think or you just sort of walk like hearing them live is probably a completely different experience than mm. than hearing it on on the record. Yeah. Problem is they don't really play many of them live no. in their in their sets these days. There's only one song from this album that tends to feature in their uh, oh, which set one? lists. Uh, the second one, forty five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So on I think on Box Riff forty five, um, the cloning chamber and Yeah, maybe that's it. I guess it's just those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just before we get into the track tri track by track, I just want to set things up and sort of plant my flag early on this album. Yeah. I am going to be defending this album to the hilt against some pretty severe uh, critical reviews that I've read. Now... <laughs> I've mentioned my friend Mr. Rivadavia and I love his reviews and, and he's been responsible for so many great finds throughout my life. Uh, so he's the all music guy. I actually noticed that um, his reviews now filter through into Spotify. So when you look up the band's bio on Spotify, you get the Eduardo Rivadavia all music review. So <laughs> um, this album was panned by him and one or two others um, so in the band bio um, you know it, it's really criticised um, uh, let me see in the band bio and, and again this is what so anyone who looks up or listens to this album through or this band, you, I don't think the album's on Spotify. Don't, I, well, 
it's up to you how you listen to music, but it's always better to just get the CD and, and listen to it, I think, than be tempted by that horrible shuffle on isn't, Spotify. Isn't that why we're doing this? <laughs> exactly. Um, so in the band bio, it says Atomic, uh, the, the 2000 summer, sophomore effort, Atomic Bitchwax 2, was clearly rushed. Its songs underwhelmingly second rate and the media-shy Mundell struggled to come to terms with his more prominent status as star of the group. He's less scathing in the review of the album itself, but, I mean, that is, you know... To me, that's pretty heavy criticism. Now, I used to write reviews. Never anything huge, but one of the things I struggled with as a reviewer was... I kind of like all music, really. Like, I always found, you know, when a band's having a go, I don't want, who am I to, to say, that's no good, was always my point of view. So it was always like, well, this is a, the lowest I'd give would be like eight and a half out of 10 or something. Like, I could never bring myself to say, this is awful, when the band, you know, the band's trying. Um, so, and I also struggle with just like, how many different ways can you describe heavy heavy music and riffs? Like, you know, I just ran out of <laughs> metaphors in the end. But, um, but yeah, I just found it um, really harsh, that criticism. And, I'm, and I, not only that, but I completely disagree with it. I think I really enjoyed this album. So I'm just going to be defending this. I just want to put it out there from the word go that I will be defending this album and trying to restore its status uh, in music history. I think this has been underrated and or criminally underrated and ignored and misunderstood. I hope when the time comes that this gets its 20th anniversary re-release too, just like the first one, because I think this deserves it. I, uh, I, I read that review, and, and I remember what's, what stuck with me was when he called it rushed. Mm. <clears throat> and I think that's I th- I started this at the top by noting the the time distance from one album to the other for that reason mm-hmm. and 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 that was what I was trying to process is was it rushed but if we go back to what we talked about before these guys have been together since what 93 mm-hmm. I would believe they had more in their pocket than the what than the eleven songs that were released on the first album mm-hmm. over that period of time, so as I was listening, several of these songs sound like they probably started with grooves that they'd been working on for time or over over a period of time. So whether I don't I don't know if it was yes it did it did come out quickly after the first one, but I don't know that I agree that it was rushed. That the quality I feel like the quality of now, my issues with the sound quality, with the quality of the songs, I think definitely holds up. Absolutely. Yeah, and I agree. I don't like the production as much, but I like the songs perhaps almost equally. Um, in fact, my favourite song across the two albums is on this one. My favourite instrumental across the two albums is on this one. I'm going to be curious to hear... Which song that is? Because yeah, we'll I think my favorite song across the two albums is also on this one. Yeah, and like I, I'm struggling to find a weak song on it. I mean, one or two maybe, but 
this is a really good album for me and um, yeah so I'm going to be defending it I'm going to be talking it up I enjoyed it um, and I look forward to discussing it track by track track by but, track um, artwork first oh, yeah. uh, oh but first a word from our sponsor <laughs> insert sponsor name here Pay, paying the bills yep alright thoughts artwork. on artwork I this I guess we didn't come out and say it last time we kind of danced around it we but did we danced <laughs> This, the album cover for this does feel less misogynistic than the last one. This one feels, um, I'm trying to bring it up right now, but it, 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 well, I guess you had described it when we were talking about it as more, as more arty. Yep. It's more stylized. It's I think, definitely I think it was the, the combination of, in particular, the combination of the artwork and the lyrics of one of the songs that, that gave it that misogynistic sort of vibe, that first one that we, again, we danced around. Well, and I think her in the heels added, yeah, I don't know what it was, but that sort of added an element of, eh. Yeah. But yeah, I do, I, I think this one is a bit less so. Uh, similar sort of style though, the purples, uh, you know, there's a, there's a woman on the cover, um, but I think it's a little more it feels more spacey. It's more like she's wearing. I can't tell if that's a space helmet. Yeah, or she, is she a robot? I don't or know. Or a robot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Same guy. Hmm. Yeah, Orion Landau. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a little. I, I prefer this artwork. Um, all right, shall we uh, get into it track by track? Let's do it. Um. <clears throat> All right. So, I I'm gonna start off because I think Ice Pick Freak. Yep. The first song. It's a pretty straightforward groove. Yeah, but, but as far as album intros go, mm. I think it's great. I think this is this is the perfect song to even start a concert to to just kind of get everybody sort of in that groove, kind of wake everybody up, let everybody know the band's. St- I, I I thought this was a great opening track yeah I was a little colored uh, in my <laughs> you'd, <laughs> you'd given me a description of this song before I heard it so and it <laughs> reminded me a little bit for some reason of the intro to the Blues Brothers band <laughs> concert here they are back on their exclusive tour of Europe Scandinavia and the subcontinent um, it's certainly a rollicking intro, a, ro- a, a rollicking opener. I thought maybe it's a little too rollicking. It almost has a bit of a comical, like it's too fun. Um, um, would be my criticism. I, I would have liked a little bit more of an edge, but it had some of those things that I was looking for from the first album. It had the space lasers, um, no baseballs uh, yet. But there was an awesome bass effect and a, and a run, a cosmic run about halfway through where the, sort of everyone stops and we, and we get this, um, you know, cosmic just has his moment in the sun. Um, Did you pinpoint which song the bass balls shows up on? Uh, hopefully I've made it. I think I've made a note in my list. Yeah, it does. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it appears in a slightly muffled form, but I, I'm pretty sure I heard the, the bass balls later on. All right. 
Yeah. So yeah, a fun start, not necessarily um, a, a completely memorable track, but it you know it, it serves its purpose as an album opener and gets gets the the mood set, I suppose. Track two, 45. Mm. So this is one you were saying that they still play live. Mm-hmm. And this is also, so Ice Pick Freak uh, is also on Box Ref. Right. But so is this one. And, and I will listen to this because I am curious. I, I don't know. I heard, it was, this one was okay. Mm. It didn't, nothing about this song in particular jumped out at me. Okay. All right, because I'm much more enthusiastic about this one. I, I love um, the phased drum intro. Um, <clears throat> it's got a much tighter feel um, than anything from the first album, um, which isn't a bad thing. Um, to me, the tight feel comes from a couple of things. Firstly, a very mechanical riff, which, um, and we had the discussion about, is this stoner rock or not? This feels like a stoner rock song. Uh, There's closed cymbals, which were very rare in the first album. So, and and, what's his name? Ackerman um, really sits back in this song and is much more restrained than, uh, again, pretty much anything we saw on that first album. Um, This is the first time we hear the vocals on this album and um, I think the vocals are an improvement on the first album. They're more refined and perhaps you like the raw edge of the vocals in the the first album. That's gone. There's some effects layered on the vocals. Um, But yeah, a, a quite restrained feel through the verses um, still no simple rock beats from Ackerman I don't think he's capable <laughs> of playing just a straight rock beat and, no. and he's still putting little off beats here and there which, but I love this song um, I really enjoyed it it was, in, it was actually in the running for my favourite songs off the album I'd love to see it live um, I would have loved to see it when Mundell was in the band because it's got a howling solo and uh, in the sort of second half that I mean and any idea or any criticism that Mundell is somehow not tuned in for this album or he's phoned it in or whatever I mean this solo just blows that notion away um, he did call him the leader of the band though as he was criticizing well look I love this song from the phase drum intro I you know and I don't mind the fact that it's got a little bit of restraint throughout it. Um, it's different to the first album, but I'm happy to hear some evolution from the band and a little bit more space in the song. I, and, but they're still, when they let it rip, they still let it rip. Yeah. I, I think it was, as you were describing, I think it was the restraint where... I was kind of waiting for them to open up a little bit more. Yep. And I do get that later. Yep. But I didn't get that here. And right. I guess, so that was my, my first take. I know that as I've listened through this, 
Um, there are two songs that sometimes I'll just kind of pass through yep. and just jump into the next one. And that is one that I've been guilty of. Okay. No, just I'm kind of jumping I'll, forward. I'll jump to this song and, and listen to it all. All right. Do you no. want to fight about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Arm wrestle. <laughs> uh, all right. It, this wasn't so. This wasn't your favorite song. I didn't hit a. It's not my favorite, but it's up there. Um, certainly, not my favorite. But yeah, one of one that I'm happy to go back to and 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 still love hearing every time. All right. Well, I need to. I will. I will give it a closer listen. Again, listen. You know what? I really want to. I do. If this is one. What's interesting is that when you said that this is one they still play live. Yeah. So I'm. I'm really curious to hear the live version. Yeah. And and I will as yeah, soon as we're done recording YouTube, this. Uh, plenty of YouTube clips out there of gigs with this in it. And and I bet I'm. Again, I'm imagining they probably do open up in the live in the way that I. I'm sort of I, who knows I'll, I'll listen to it live and yeah we'll, we'll have that chat yep next episode yeah and box riff as well no yeah. not box riff what's it called the yeah, live box album box riff yeah okay yeah we'll give that a listen as well yep all right shall we get on to the cover yes the cover song only one cover on this album I I yeah no no it's the only cover yeah I thought but, there was another one later on but I realized after a few listens it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, this is the cover. Had you heard of Atomic Rooster? Yeah, prior I had. To this? Um, so, uh, a quick anecdote. Um, so, when I was growing up, I grew up in a country town called Ballarat, which was about 110 kilometres from the major city, Melbourne. Um, and the only way I could get Melbourne radio stations was by running an antenna out my bedroom window. And hanging it off the pergola at the side of the house, so that's how I would listen to Melbourne stations. And there was one um, uh, one show on a, on a public radio station called Triple R, uh, called Galactic Zoo, um, which was on a Thursday night about eight or nine thirty, and they would play seventies, um, I guess. Proto stoner bands. Um, I, I get. I mean, when Hendrix, you know, in the wake of Jimi Hendrix, um, there was a whole bunch of psychedelic rock bands um, in the UK and the US, uh, of which um, Atomic Rooster were one. Um, you know, bands like um, Mountain and I guess Rainbow kind of feel, uh, um, Captain something. Beefheart. Beefheart, Beyond something, I don't know. But yeah, this show just played all these early 70s cool, uh, trippy rock bands and Atomic Rooster was one that I remember. Um, From the far reaches of the universe was the intro to the to the radio show. Was it this song? Do you remember what song it was? No, either? I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember the specific song, but I do remember the band. Stylized with the three, the three O's. Do you have to sound that out? Do you suppose it's atomic? It's atomic roos. Are there three O's? There are three O's. No. There are three O's in some appearances. I don't know if it was a. That's I don't know if that might have been might have been the album that had the the Atomic Rooster debut album might have been the three O's. All right. Yeah. I, as far as I know, the band's only got two. But um, 
perhaps one of our listeners can <laughs> write in and my half-ass internet research. That's what I. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what I turned up. No, that's three just, O's. That's just because your finger got stuck on the on the key there. Um, I had I had not heard of, of Atomic Rooster prior mm. to this, and so I but I did go back yep. and and look for them, and I listened to their original version of the yeah, song. Yeah, what do you think of the original? I, I I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I am intrigued by the band. Yeah. I uh, I like the sound. It's definitely of its time. Yeah, it's much slower the original, mm-hmm. um, but still um, it's the same song. Um, I prefer the uh, the Bitchwax version. I do too. In fact, there was kind of a. It. So there are a couple songs on this album that, when listening to them, sort of, I don't know. I got kind of a vibe of of another band, and this one there was sort of an older corrosion of conformity feel to it. Okay. Um, that I that I liked. Mm. I, I quite liked actually. Okay. And this is the first time we hear keyboard on the album. Yes, so oh, that's right. This is where that makes the debut, um, the organ. In that intro, and then again throughout the song. That intro. I'm assuming it's a Hammond, I don't know. But are there any, is there any other type of keyboard? Um, I love, there's a great riff. After he says, coming to you now, there's a really... Uh, fun riff that sort of stayed with me um, the song changes towards the end and gets back it, it sort of peters out a little bit I think towards the end this this song but I mean they didn't write it so it's not their fault um, but certainly enjoyed it nice mid-tempo um, groovy riff and, and a really good cover choice I thought mm. um, suits the band and you know I love I love it when a, a, a band reinterprets and brings something new um, to an old song um, and, and I think they do it they do that they do it without they still maintain the soul of the song yeah yep which is mm. important yep agreed so yeah really enjoyed this one um, shall we move on? Smokescreen. Mm, Track smooth. four. <laughs> I've got smooth written in capital letters with an exclamation point at the end of this one. It's, yeah. Uh, War- Warren Haynes definitely cleans things up, doesn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, so this has got a smoky kind of jazz club almost intro. Um, the song that called to mind for me in, in terms of the, the vibe was Evidence by Faith No More uh, huh. yeah. just that just let's all put yeah, our yeah. smoking jackets on and just sit back <laughs> in our um, you know slick back our hair and um, <laughs> I can hear that um, yeah so and, and this is uh, our guest so um, I, know, I know nothing about the guest guitarist on this song, so perhaps you can fill us in on, on your knowledge of him. Warren Haynes was, or is, government mule. Um, he is a government mule? He is. He <laughs> well. is. Well, he's the main, the main fella in government mule. I don't know, actually. I'm aware of government mule. I've heard government mule. 
mm. but I don't, I can't tell you much more about them. Mm. They lost their bass player, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember his name off the top of my head, and they put out a few, uh, Alan Woody was the bass player's name, and they put out a couple tribute albums to him that were really good called mm -hmm. I think off the deep end mm -hmm. and they just got substitute bass players to come in and and play these songs that Alan Woody had either helped to write or just really liked mm -hmm. and they had Flea and Jason Newstead and just uh, anyway mm -hmm. that was kind of really where I was introduced to Government Mule and mm -hmm. so that was I think 2001 um but prior to this actually and uh yeah that's that's it i don't know i have not i've not followed them much yeah. i think i think i he started in the almond brothers right um but yeah he, i mean he he certainly does um clean things up as you said it's in, you know, that word restraint, I, I've written that again. It's evident again on this song. I couldn't imagine this on the first album. No. Like this is... Yeah, no, no, no. This is a second album song. Right, right. Uh, there's some keys again. Um, some delicate hi-hat work. Mm -hmm. But again, there's no way that would be on the first album. Um, lovely bass line holding the whole song yes. together and... and um, yeah, Cosnick's just the glue that that um, holds this song and the whole album really together. Um, I couldn't, I didn't take the time to work out who was playing which solo, but there is a lovely bluesy wah wah solo uh, in this one. I thought when a fun, on first listen, I thought that um, I thought it, I could tell. Yeah. I thought it was pretty obvious who was who. But then I went back and listened again, and, and I don't think it is. I don't think it's as obvious as I thought it was. Okay. I yeah. think I think Ed Mundell maybe kind of cleaned himself up a little bit, too. So right. cleaned up his guitar to get in there also. Okay. Um, of course, two guitarists means they're not going to be able to play this live. And they don't, do no, they? No, they don't, which is a shame. Um, but, yeah, this is a, a nice... This is just a good song, isn't it? And it's... A song that you can sort of, even non-hard rock and non-stoner rock or metal fans, you can, will appreciate this one. It's got a, a sort of jazzy, bluesy feel and very laid-back kind of vibe. Recommended. So now it brings us to the middle of the album. Yeah, now cast aside. Up, so your up masks. to this point, we've had spacey forty-five, like space in the song. Um, you know, closed symbols, mechanical riff, um, circus intro. We've had, yeah, apart from that, but we've had the the mid tempo cover, and now a really restrained bluesy song. It's starting to make you wonder, is you know, what's happened to the old bitch wax? But we get them back. We get them back in the second half of the album. And the thing that uh, the biggest clue that they're back is the return <laughs> of the. Alien robot voice. But post-puberty, is it's but, deeper. It's yeah, a deeper it robot voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his voice is broken. Um, so 
you know, back to the well with this little gimmicky robot intro, but hey, I, <laughs> I don't mind. It's, it's good fun. Um, and I love, I actually love the last line, um, something about being under the star of a new god. It's, it's kind of cool, very metal. Um, and here we get back to from frenetic was that word you were using yep. on the first album and all right we're back to frenetic here so here it is i love this song mm-hmm. this is the one i keep coming back to this is the song that when i put this on if i've only got if I, i'm, I'm going to listen to this album and i only have just a little bit of time i jump straight to this song right it's um, cast aside your masks is the song cast aside your masks and uh and i wrote favorite with a question mark okay because it was between this and and another song um and i came back and it was like yeah i think this is the one i think this is the one i love i love i just i even love the rhythm Mm -hmm. uh that he's when he's singing that line burned out baby back in 72 got Mm. the one got the one uh are you done right that whole Mm. just sort of even the bouncy rhythm that he's using while he's singing that and it's i think the lyrics are probably maybe 12 lines that just get repeated three times over yep so this was the hand washing song this was the hand washing song this album and it's maybe um, we can put a link to that in the show notes uh and there's just there's the there so we, we start off with the the robot sounds as i said i love just the the play on the, the bounciness of the vocal melody. Do you remember the, the fill? There's a, there's a fill yes. straight after the intro. And, and it's it like, go, it's, oh, Ackerman, there he is. <laughs> yep, there's, the, there's the, the fill, but then there's also that really cool bass run that's happening over some of the space sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just, all I wrote is Cosnick. I can't remember, but he must be doing something good. Yeah. Um, great song. My only complaint i think i had something similar last album was that i didn't think the intro the alien robots taking over the world voice matched the lyrics burned out baby so, back in 72 yeah. like, so, okay here's this thing i keep thinking about <clears throat> non-metal here follow me just for a second yeah so sturgill simpson just released his newest album um, I'm, I'm not going to come up with the name of it right now, but uh, a couple months ago. And with it, he released this sort of um, Japanime kind of stylized cartoon about the end of the world. And it's it's sort of just, it's almost even like the, do you remember Heavy Metal? The magazine? It, no, the, the cartoon. Yeah, well, the, the cartoon slash magazine. Right, okay. So, but there was that whole... It was sort of like hot rods in space kind of feel yeah, to yeah. it. And and that's the vibe I picked up off the last album, and that's kind of the vibe that I get off of this album mm-hmm. too. And so with that said, I guess that's where I do feel there's a connection between sort of just the, not, maybe not the lyrics, but the definite feel, the, the okay. way that he's singing. All right. Sort of that stylistic kind of a it's like a post punk kind of feel that yeah even uh, yeah okay 
So the intro matches the vibe of the song, but not necessarily the, the lyrics right. themselves. I mean, I thought the intro might have gone better with the next song, which is an instrumental. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, great song, all the same. It could have been, this is the one I thought could have been a single. Yeah, I could see that. If they had, a want, if they had a been doing that. It's got a catchy chorus. Um, I do feel, and there's something about the, this song, and, and we'll get to it, but this song and track seven mm-hmm. seem to fit together mm-hmm. in a way that, like this could have been an A-side, B-side. Okay. But we'll talk about that when we get there. Yep. Um, but yeah, just a, an excellent song. Um, terrible advice, though, in this time of uh, COVID to cast aside your masks. <laughs> don't, don't listen to that, listeners. Keep them on. <laughs> and wash your hands, too, uh, which you can do by following the link and, in the show. And notes. don't take ibuprofen, apparently. Oh, well. That's the... No, no, no. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Cloning Chamber. So we've got... Cloning uh, Chamber. So we've got an instrumental. Keys again. Not a huge amount of keys in Cloning Chamber. Just a little embellishment on the riff, on the opening riff. Um, uh, there was a part... I've just written Wolf Mother in my notes. There was a part that reminded me of Wolf Mother with, with a... Sort of a... That, um, with a keysy, riffy bit... Uh, you know, later in the song. Was that around, I think I marked that too, it was around like the one minute 30 mark. Yeah, something like that. was where they all kind of join in and do yeah. their little thing, yeah. Yeah, nice sort of soaring wolf mothery bit. You know, a band it, that followed 15 years after them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some great cosmic work um, throughout, and especially towards the finish. These three, five, six, and seven, like six sort of serves this instrumental to me, the way that I envisioned it was sort of like this instrumental bridge between five and seven. And almost like these three songs could have easily been put onto the first album. Yep, yep, yep. Agreed. Um, and yeah, this was, it was just, I, I saw it as sort of a bridge. It's given, getting me from from track five to track seven. Yep. So let's talk track seven, Marching on the Skulls of the Dead. It, it, it continues with that, that same vibe, that same feeling. And I feel like that, that it, but it's not, this song didn't quite do it as much for me as Cast Aside Your Mask. There was something about, there really was that whole, as I was said before in that, sort of that rhythm and the flow of the lyrics that I really enjoyed about track five. It wasn't quite there in track seven. In fact, track seven has a moment, if it's the middle or kind of closer to the end, where everything sort of kind of slows down, Um, which is fine, but it kind of brings that, I guess, trilogy for lack of a better, that trio of songs, it sort of brings that to an end, maybe a little bit sooner than than I wanted. I'm sorry to hear that. To me, this is the song across both albums. Oh, this is the one. This is it. I love this song. And this is the one that, you know, if I'm making a a mix tape for someone, 
and I want an Atomic Bitch Whack song to put on it, I'm putting this one on it. Why? Okay, we've got this tub-thumping intro, so we, we get that instant Ackerman hit. A beautiful setup, just um, laying the foundation in those first few bars for what's to come. And then I think every great riff, no, not every great riff, but the greatest riffs in musical history all start with this sound. <laughs> They're the big ones. And when you've got, a, when you've got four <laughs> counting them in, you know there's a big you riff coming up. Covered. And this riff, oh man, this riff. Oh, this is um, this does things to me. This riff, because it it's a long riff, like it and it, it and it's just beautiful. It's heavy, but it grooves. It's brilliant. It's um, and look, they can do what they want. Really, like the middle section, maybe it ends too soon. Maybe the vocal effects are a bit iffy, but this riff alone is worth the price of admission. And <laughs> this is. Um, this, this does it for me. So, there, there is also um, a great wah-wah solo that I, I actually, for the first time, called to mind Kirk Hammett for me. Uh, like, so this was a this had a metal vibe to it. Maybe it's just the the song title "Marching on the Skulls of the Dead" that, that put me in that sort of a mood. Um, there was some Ackerman restraint against some closed symbols. Um, but yeah, it's just the riff and then, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I thought the rest of the song was built around that central riff and, and did it justice. No, I had no idea this was your favorite as we were walking, as, as we hadn't revealed that to each other, yep. but this was the other one that I had written favorite. Yeah. And then I had to come up with some way to distinguish which one was going to take it. Right. And I'm, I'm a stand by my cast aside your masks, but this was this one was a close second for me. All right. So yeah, just to be clear, in that riff, it's that it's a great riff, and then it's that last diddle diddle ding. So it's the the way the riff finishes. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's great. So yep, great song. Love it, and uh, worth a listen if you haven't listened to it yet. Listener. All right, track eight. Dishing, Dishing out a heavy dose of tough love. Mm. <laughs> I like the title. Yeah. Um, As a parent, I mean, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> the, yeah, another instrumental. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's good. It's, it's a good instrumental. Mm. I was worried. This, I was worried coming off the previous three songs I was thinking it's we're due for a throwaway we're due for a throwaway and that opening riff almost confirmed that for me that I just thought that oh, a bit simple not haven't sold me on that but then there's a slow and stylish bit later on there's some nice this is a cosmic song this, and this is the baseballs uh, this right. is, this is right, the baseball right, song right. so yeah, I'm not a big fan of the opening sort of minute, but then the middle section of this song and, and, and the, the work by Kosnick and the reappearance of the baseballs is enough to say, no, it's not a throwaway. This, this it, song still has plenty of merit. 
this one picks up and it has and it does it has a good ending which leading us into the next song mm. solid now so we'll go there I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. I will say that when the, I first heard this song, I found myself thinking, oh, what, what are they doing? Really? And then I went back and listened to it again, and I liked it. I did like it. I really, I, I get they're trying to do something different. They Sounds are, like grain eggs and hen. They are trying to do something. <laughs> they are trying to do something different. And and I do like the the lyrics are ridiculous, but. The, as far as sort of the groove and the melody and what they were trying to do with it, I, I did like it. Yeah, so this, I, I knew that this band had covered Pink Floyd. I, I read that somewhere, and on listening to this for the first two or three times, I just assumed this was the Pink Floyd cover until I stopped and listened to the lyrics and thought, hang on, <laughs> Pink Floyd were better than that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this sounds like just some, you know some deadbeat sort of roommate <laughs> knocking on your bedroom door or, or, a, or you know, a housemate you know, wanting to borrow some money or something. Um, <clears throat> it, this is their, I guess the formula of the previous album was their longer song. This is their experimental Mundell noodling. You've got your sort of backtracked or backmasked symbols. Um, I, if you're in the mood for something a little psychedelic, um, you know, I, I imagine there's a time and a place for this song. That time and place hasn't yet been there for me. Uh, I imagine, you know, get home after a big night or a late night or something and you just want something you're about to go to bed or you're you know there's probably a, a mood where this song fits i feel like this song has a story i feel like if we had one of the atomic bitch waxers here they, they'd at least be able to shed insight on who nolly is and I, I do feel i feel like that this is sort of uh the, the lyrics behind the song are kind of an insider where there's like eight guys yeah that some... hear the song they're like oh yeah i remember that yeah that no um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I suspect that um, if I listen to this song at the right time, in the right mood, I would really, really like it. It hasn't quite happened for me yet, but um, that's okay. You know, it's a mind-expanding vibe. Like, the music is mind-expanding. Juxtaposed with this... Could you do me a solid, will you? Banal lyrics I just it's a bit of a waste for me I, if it was something philosophical or something psychedelic or you know there was something to make you go wow you know in that stereotypical way but it's not you know, a bit of a waste I think um, probably some in joke as you say but not being a part of an in joke anyway um, I don't imagine they ever envisioned this album being discussed by <laughs> twenty years by later. twenty years later by During two people pandemic. in Jakarta, Indonesia, <laughs> right, <laughs> who are using it to get through Corona. <laughs> yes. Uh, on that note, uh, a word from our sponsor. <clears throat> We're welcome. Uh, you know, sponsors are welcome. Actually, 
of that diet. Oh, and our other sponsor. There we go. Mm. Sponsored up. All right. All right. Bring it on. We're home. almost done. So track ten. So whereas the first album finished with the long song, this one finishes with a more traditional uh, sort of screaming guitar, uh, bitch wax, classic. So here's where I am with this. The I re, I do like how this album is bookended, and I appreciated Ice Pick Freak more when I got to Liquor Queen. And I just, I, I do like the bookends on this album. I like the way it comes in and I like the way it goes out. They did do another version of this song on the Spit Blood EP, which is almost, not quite, but almost twice as long. And they added more to it. And I, first off, it's track two on the EP, so it doesn't have that sort of ending an album. It wasn't intended to end an album. And it, 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 the song didn't need to be longer. As when I heard a longer version of it, I realized that wasn't necessary. The song kind of, I feel like it does a really good job of getting done what it needs to get done in that short amount of time. Yeah, it's, a, it's I think a sh- it, it should be and is a short song. To me, this is a Mundell showcase, the screaming guitars. Um, it reminded me of something you, that could belong on a, like an intro to a drag racing show or some sort of... Um, you know that yeah. kind of vibe to it um, there's some nice Ackerman feels this is the one perhaps it, that comes closest to being a throwaway for me um, you know the guitar works good I, you know, who am I to criticise as, as I said earlier but if I had to skip one you know, it's, not, it's not one that I would go out of my way to queue up as I would with tracks five to seven or play the game or 45 or smoke you know there's so many great songs on this album I don't think this qualifies as one of them yeah agreed I agree mm. um, so that's it that's the album um, we now need to consider our We've got our, so we've got our favourite, so yours was... Um, cast Aside Your Masks. Cast Aside, mine was uh, Skulls of the Dead. Least favourite, mine was probably Liquor Queen. Yeah, I, is, yes, mm. but I feel like, I mean, I do still, I still hold on to the idea that I like it as a bookend, but yeah. it is, I guess, mm. with that said, I... Yes, it would be my least favorite track yeah. on the album. But you didn't like 45 either, which was a surprise. I know I liked 45. It's oh. just I found that it... Yeah. I did not like it, but I was that, that I would skip past that song, and I also found that there were a couple times through the listens that I would, slip, I would skip over Cloning Chamber to hurry up and get to Marching on the yeah, Skulls yeah. of the Dead. Understandable. Understandable when you got that riff to look forward to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk band Brownlow. We were going to come up with a better name than that. Well, you said Downlow last time. That oh was, yeah, that we can go seemed with that. all right. I don't know. Australian football, what a sport! You know, it's the one sport in the world that's still going ahead. So sports and, fans and marble racing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> go the comet. <laughs> Apparently, that's a thing now. <laughs> the blue comet. What a what a comeback! <laughs> I thought he. Was, I thought it was gone. Um, 
So, three, two, and one. I, I haven't yet put the telly from the last album, but they actually came out when we did it. They're, all the band members are equal at this point. They're all on four points because we both oh, had Cosmic we, 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 we ranked we, uh, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. so, all right. So it's delicately poised, which I think, you know, to me that captures that first album perfectly. It was mm-hmm. just a great team, team effort. Uh, is this equally a great team effort? Well, well, let's hear. I'm going to let you start this one, actually. All right. I'm still, I, I need to say that I'm still wrestling with my one and two. Okay. My three is, I mean, just reading through the notes, the person that I've written the most is, and I mentioned him before, the glue that holds this album together is Kosnick. He's my best on ground. He is you know, although we've lost um, the baseballs, we haven't lost the baseballs completely. But um, yeah, this is a this is just some lovely work from Kosnick, um, and a couple of songs that where he he really gets um, put front and center. Smokescreen, you know, that the smooth bass throughout that. Um, and then, yeah, again, those runs under the under the solos, just like in the first album, he was in the he was in the running for the last album. I think he deserves his his spot with the three boats here. Do you want to give me your three, or do you want me to go through mine? Well, so I'll go through mine. I'll tell. I mean, I'll tell you where my, I'm torn. I'm torn between Kosnick, mm. just because first off, his uh, the, the bass runs that he does here, but even the organ. He's bringing the organ into this, and he's... Is that Kosnick on the organ? It is Kosnick on the organ. Are you sure? It, that's what it said. When I looked up the... Uh, I saw someone else's name on Oh, the did you? All right, I'll... I'll Jordan Shapiro. Half-ass half internet research. Yeah, I'll yeah. Go, I'll go back and I'll, I'll confirm that. Yeah, we'll check that for um, but, uh, but the other thing that I'm... I kind of want to give it to Mundell. Really? I, he brought in... He I know... This is his phoned it in album, according to. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But he brought in Warren Haynes and went toe to toe with him, and Mm -hmm. he does as you were as you were going through and describing several of the solos as screaming guitar solos, Mm. and and I do kind of think that. Yeah, I'm I'm torn between. Okay, here I'm I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna figure. Go on to your number two. We're going to find out if Kosnick played the... Okay, so Mundell gets my two. Um, for that reason, there's some great solos again, and I just want to defend him as much as anything. I mean, at this stage, yes, he was sort of achieving stardom in Monster Magnet. Um, I think he's brought some of that Monster Magnet big band mentality back with him to this little side project in inverted commas um but yeah there's this one of the things I, you know there's still some of that uh classic mundell sort of noodling experimentation space lasers um but also really love the fact that he has a few different facets to his playing style we see him as you said go uh, toe-to-toe with Haynes 
Um, there's some screaming solos. There's some wah-wahs. There's some bluesy stuff. So some some nice um, variation in his styles, enough to get the two votes from me. All right, Jordan Shapiro played organ on "Play the Game." Right. And it looks like Kosnick played Vox organ on the rest of the track, okay. rest of the album. Okay. Which was mainly what um, there was some organ on. There was some organ on Smokescreen and mm-hmm. some organ on Cloning Chamber. Yep. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up, Internet. <laughs> All right. So yeah, there's my three, two, and one. Um, Kosnick. Mundell, which leaves Ackerman and, and as your as your one, a great another great performance from Ackerman. Still plenty of those great fills. I love his his big tubs at the start of my favorite song. So it's certainly not uh, you know there had to be someone get the one, but yeah, it is a little more restrained than that virtuoso performance we heard on the first album. All right, it's I, I'm gonna have to I'm doing it. Mundell's getting my three. Cool. Um, Kosnick's Take getting... Take that, Riva Davia. <laughs> Kosnick's cool. getting my two, and Ackerman's getting my one. Mm-hmm. Now, Ackerman was my three last time. I think I just I, I just basically flipped Ackerman and uh, Mundell. All right. We're going to have to keep track of this on a spreadsheet. <laughs> You're the spreadsheet guy. Yeah, I am. Well, <clears throat> I sure am. All right. Well, we're just about um, we're just about up to any side listens that were happening through this. I mean, we can anything further you want to add about this album before we wrap it up. Wait, I mean, I'm the only thing I could say. I mean, nothing. I, I think I've said. I don't really have much to say more about this. Um, do you think it's been unfairly panned? I absolutely do, and yeah. and. And I would, I would love to hear the, well, I, I want to hear the vinyl when I, when I get my yeah. hands on the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. But if that's even possible. No, I've got a CD sitting in London somewhere. And so I, I would hope that it gets re-released because TP, I want to hear. please re-release this. Thank you. I, I do want to hear how this is supposed to sound. Any color preference while they're listening? Purple? It's got to be purple, doesn't it's it? It's got to be purple. Purple, or I think there's some orange going on in there too. Mm. Um, but I, uh, I'm. This is going to be. I mean, we're we're moving into, and we'll we'll talk about this. But uh, th- this is our last dance with Mundell. I know it's sad, isn't it? <laughs> and so I'm 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 ready to hear number three though, because mm. I don't know. I don't know. If Ben Ryan as a guitarist, mm. but um, I have read reviews that have all been positive mm-hmm. about what he brings to the band. So yep. I'm very curious mm. to hear to hear three. Yep. Um, the contrarian in me was determined to conclude this podcast by saying this is a better album than the first one. Hmm. I can't quite bring myself to say that but to say this is a weak album I think is way off the mark I mean if we call the first album say a nine and a half out of ten I think this is a solid nine or eight and a half I mean this is this is a 
thoroughly listenable album. I agree. And, and I, whether or not it was rushed, I don't know. I, I need to hear. I need to hear more of what they're doing. Well, rushed. What, what's rushed? I mean, these guys are outstanding musicians. They've, they've got what a year. A year's enough for guys. <laughs> In the '60s, the Beatles were putting out what two, three albums a year. It's not but it. Um, it's still, it's the, the, the sound quality, and I don't know if it's because I'm listening to digital tracks mm. or if, if the sound quality was rushed, if it was to get it out there, mm. that if, there if there was not enough attention paid to the mixing and the mastering. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll never know. Well, we might. Well, I, maybe we will. Who else is talking about Atomic Bitch Wax right now? Maybe they'll call him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually would love to hear a remix, or it'd be nice to get yeah. if someone could get their hands on the original tracks and tweak them a little, see right. what they could come up with. It would Are they nice. still on TP? Uh, who, no, they moved to. Who re-released TP? Right, is TP re-releasing the first. Okay, one. okay. So somebody else didn't buy out their entire catalog or anything. No, I think so. The later ones went on a different label. Okay. Um, the second and third ones are the hardest to get these days um, which brings us to the third one it all after the third one it all gets easier yeah yeah they're all they're all available after the third one right I can't find the third one anywhere it's going to be another one where we're sitting here without having the, the physical the media physical media yeah unfortunately but um, I'm, I keep checking eBay but who knows um, if you so we're not doing spit blood. Well, let's have a listen. Should we have? We a, did. When well, does we, that fit in chronologically between it, now and three? It was, yeah, it was two thousand two, and we don't need to dedicate an episode to it. No, no. But that was the one where, um, where they did the dirty deeds done dirt cheap. Yeah. So they forced Ackerman to play a rock. <laughs> they did, <laughs> and they did that extended version of Liquor Queen. Right. Okay. Well, I'll have a listen to that between. But yeah, the next episode we'll we'll focus on three. Um, but I'll give Spitblood a listen along the way. And I think I'm going to dive into I, Box Riff. I've been waiting because it comes after three. So Box Riff is after three. Live? Yes. Okay. But it's with Finn Ryan. Okay. And so, so I was kind of playing was, some of their early songs. Yes. Oh, that'll be He's playing a lot of their early songs, actually. So I was oh. kind of waiting for my introduction into Finn Ryan before I did that. But okay. I'm kind of after a lot of the discussions we've had about these songs tonight. I'm going to. You, you can't stop me. I'm jumping right in. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> well, we'll be in different continents by then. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So the next episode will be three, and then the one after that will be four. Four. Yeah, but we'll sneak in some side lessons to Spit Blood and right. Box Riff along the way. And a la Zeppelin, four is where they stop numbering. Right. Or Black Sabbath, wherever. All right, wh- yeah. Whoever you want to go to. Yeah. The- and they stop girls on the cover as well. No, they still got the girls. They're just doing different things with them. No, fours an octopus. Oh, you're right. But then the girls come back for... A, a girl octopus. I don't know. <laughs> the girls come back for Gravitron with some sort of... Oh, like right. Yeah, Houd- yeah. They do reappear. Houdini later. thing. Mm-hmm. Ay, And then Force Field goes back to the space girl. It's all right. We'll talk about all that later. Yeah, all of that is to come. Uh, now, listener, uh, these are troubled times. Um... But hopefully our podcast has given you something to kill an hour in your 
underground bunker or wherever you're hiding out. I thought you were about ready to read an ad for Simply Safe or something. Do we have <laughs> do, we, do we have any sponsors yet besides no, no. the opening of our beers? Our uh, beverages, our soft drinks. Um, How do we get Simply Safe? Everybody's got Simply Safe as oh, a sponsor. I don't know. Give them a call. Simply right. Safe. If you're out there, I don't know. Send us send us an email. <laughs> no, we don't have a sponsor. Huh. Mm. Sort that out too. Yeah, we'll get onto that. Maybe some hand sanitizer company. <laughs> um, so our next episode is likely to be uh, remote in that I won't have the remotest idea what we're doing. <laughs> um, listeners, um, stick with us and, and keep doing this. Like, What better time than you know, a time of socially isolating, um, avoiding gatherings, staying home? What better thing to do than to grab a CD or a, an album? Or if a poorly you can find compressed it, digital version. If you can find it for, for the next one. And just sit down and listen to it. Listen to it mindfully from start to finish, track by track. Um, it's a really rewarding experience. So join us on the journey. And uh, come back in hopefully a couple of weeks, depending on how long it takes to work out how to get this thing working. Be safe, stay healthy, and... Wash your hands. Yeah, and <laughs> wash your hands to uh, to our wonderful hand washing song, which you can find in our uh, show notes. All right, listener. Uh, we'll see you next time. See you soon. Cheers. Bye.